Hi, this is Julius, and this is episode um, uh, piece two of session one on feminism. And what we and we have here is um, Casey, a 27-year-old millennial white woman, young professional, eager to build her own business and be the CEO she's always wanted to be. Currently, she's a sales program specialist at Mission Edge. She's a daughter, sister, niece, wife, and friends to many. Cool. Hi. Hi, Casey. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for um, you know doing this. I'm excited. This is a great topic to tackle this morning. So yes, this very <laughs> morning in this cold uh, San Diego morning. Well, compared to the Midwest, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, so cool. I just wanted to be like open and you know dialogue. So yeah. Um, so the first question I have is, what's your view on feminism? today with what's going on right now the shit's happening with this administration and uh, uh, the women's march and the me too movement the response to sexual harassment sexual abuse towards women i think that feminism is more important than ever now i mean it's always been important but i think it's definitely becoming something that we need to be a lot more vocal about um given the political situation Live from San Diego. I live from San Diego. <laughs> and this is the Peace Away podcast. We keep it real. But yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. I think just given the political climate now, feminism is not a dirty word. It's not something that people need to be afraid of. It's something that we need to be talking openly about. And I'm happy to be here to kind of give my take on what the word means for me and my identity and how I experience the world because it's not something that we should be afraid to talk about or even ashamed of or one of those typical things in American culture where you're like oh you know you can't really talk about that like religion or Mm. politics I mean that's not really the point because where does that get us right exactly nowhere (laughs) exactly yeah yeah. so I'm really happy that resources like this podcast exist because it opens up the conversation and gives people a chance to be heard Um, feminism has never been a dirty word for me Alright, so yeah, you know, live from San Diego, you know, shout out to Lindbergh Field Airport. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Southwest Airlines. Oh, no. please sponsor us. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just to talk a little bit about the role that feminism has played in my life, I think that it's always been a huge part of how I identify in that the idea the radical idea that women are equal to men is something that has just been ingrained in my life. I was taught at a very young age, this is who you are, you can do whatever you want, study whatever you want to study, be whoever you want to be, as long as you're willing to work for it and um, make things happen on your own. Don't let anything get in your way. And Mm. I know that that is a very like American way of viewing things. People who grew up in other countries don't experience their childhood like that. My husband's from Spain and he always reminds me, you know, not everywhere tells their kids that they can be an astronaut or they can be anything. But (laughs) I think that's definitely um, part of the way I grew up. And then I would say a really important part of understanding feminism and how that works into a young woman's development is also understanding the role that privilege plays into that. So, I mean, we preface this podcast by saying that I'm a 27-year-old white millennial. I am that. And so with that... (laughs) 
comes a lot of privilege. And that's something that, you know, throughout my study of feminism and throughout my development as a young woman, I've had to learn to understand and recognize that my experience isn't everyone's experience. Mm -hmm. And just because, you know, I might have certain advantages or disadvantages in life doesn't mean that everyone else does. And being aware of that is part of what makes feminism work, right? Yeah. Feminism wouldn't wouldn't function as a concept if the people who believed in it weren't willing to recognize their own privilege. Yeah. So, you know, thank you for acknowledging that because, um, you know, just being transparent in this process, um, for me, it's a little process. Uh, you're, of all the interviews, you're the one that I kind of struggle with because... I really appreciate that you understand, that you acknowledge, you know, your white privilege and also as a woman, a, a feminist. But it's kind of like, wow, because um, I'm this whole process for me has been uh, very difficult because it's kind of like it's like saying uh, a white person, talk, you know, coming to the topic of being black. Sure. That's how I, 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 I feel. Sure. You know, so that's why I'm taking I'm very open minded and just kind of like yeah. learning this process. So one of the things I encountered was a post-colonial feminism and intersectional feminism. Mm-hmm. What's your take is it's basically when we say feminism or women's right, when we say women, it's always white women. Yeah. You know, that's the concept. But then women of color, it sure. always has to be, oh, we have to help women of color. Right. We can't just say women because it's like like what's called it's a, you know it's given like when we say women oh no we're just talking about a white female caucasian female right right How, you know what's that it's it, it's, a big one. it's a big one to tackle and i struggle with that too you know we talk about uh women's equal pay day mm. and that usually falls around april but usually that day is celebrated on the day that it would have taken a white woman to make as much as a man the previous year so then you know we're calling it women's equal pay day but then we have other dates that are just as important yeah. that it would take for a black woman or a minority woman yeah. to, you know, get to, which gosh, I think, um, for Latina women, I want to say it was like in the fall, it was several months later yeah. oh, wow. in April. So that just goes to show you that, yes, we say women's equal pay day, but by the time April rolls around, yeah, maybe white women will have made as much as men in the previous year, but there are still other minority women who haven't even gotten there yet. Yeah. And that's something that we don't want to forget. And I think that, you know, I recognize, and that's why I wanted to preface the podcast like this. I recognize where I fall. I, I understand how my age and my race play into how I've experimented uh, feminism, how I've experienced it. Mm-hmm. And then also how other people perceive me. I'm extremely aware of that. Yeah. But to play the other side of that coin, I also think that just because you know, white women might have historically been the self-proclaimed leaders of feminism doesn't mean that now they need to be completely shut out of the conversation because they've historically had the most privilege. I mean, honestly, I think that's the worst way we could go about feminism because if the idea is inclusivity, Mm. if anything, yes, we can say to the group, to my group who has previously been the the most privileged, hey, listen, include, understand, be aware, but like, don't leave, don't quit on it. You know, don't (laughs) think that you don't have a place anymore because, um, you know, these issues aren't going away. The issue of equal pay is not gone yet. Yeah. And so for me to kind of withdraw from that fight doesn't help anybody just yeah. because I'm white, right? So I think, if anything, there needs to be a bigger push now to work together yeah. and listen to each other. And you know, from your perspective and you know, um, 
what do you think is a barrier for for Ben? You know, kind of like, um, like seeming it through instead of just like silos. You know, because yeah. there's women's groups out there. You know, like I know there's uh, especially women of color specific. Sure. You know, Latino, Black, Asian. Sure. You know, and they're all they want the same thing, equal pay, which is great. I totally support, but it's kind of like, wow, it's kind of like where's right. the unified front and. You can take that into, you know, disenfranchised communities and so forth. But, sure. you know, from the perspective of uh, the topic of feminism, sure. you know, what do you think is a barrier? There, there is a group that is doing this very well. They're called Boss Babes ATX. So they're located in Austin, Texas, where I used to live. And they, the woman who leads it does a wonderful job of just having it ingrained in her values that their feminism is intersectional feminism. That awesome. they accept anyone who identifies as however they identify you know as far as gender goes Mm -hmm. and they are all united in the sense that they care about the same issues you know equal pay and advancing women's reproductive rights is definitely Mm -hmm. at the forefront of that and then wherever you come in how you personally identify is celebrated but i think that that's something that comes from leadership and it comes from like the birth of an organization it's not an afterthought So coming back to your question saying, well, what are the barriers? I think here in San Diego, I'm relatively new, so I'm still trying to feel out what the community is like and who who are the people working on this. But I think the best thing that we can do is recognize, like, who are we hanging out with? Who is in our immediate circle? Do they look, talk, think, act, work exactly like me? Yeah. If that's the case, then maybe I need to try a little bit harder to get out of my comfort zone and yeah. get out of my immediate bubble of wherever I live or wherever I work and branch out. Like, how do other people experience the city? Yeah. You know, what are their problems? Do we have anything in common? Yeah. You know, because if we are both fighting for equal pay, but I'm working up here at Liberty Station and somebody else is working down in National City or San Ysidro or other parts of, the, of San Diego that I haven't yet explored, yeah. like, I want to know about that. Yeah, because yeah. there's definitely opportunities to help each other, but we just have to make that effort. It's really easy in big cities like this to fall into your own little community and your own little yes. bubble, which is, oh, wow. which is yeah. a good mm-hmm. thing. Like yeah. you, we want you to, we want people to be able to find, you know, their their tribe. Yeah, but no, in definitely. the same sense, like also don't get too comfortable because yeah. that's when we get lazy and we think like, okay, all of our yeah. problems are solved if they're yeah. solved for us. Well, yeah. you don't know that there's several other communities out there that might still be fighting the good fight. Yeah. No, I totally agree, and especially what we spoke upon. Um, I think this is an academic. Um, this um, um, a mentor taught me ivory towers. Sure. You tend to stick to ivory towers. I know for me, it's um, you know I started uh, organizing in the Filipino American community for the longest time, and then I started branching out just to uh, work, and also even now it's like um, as far as you know, basically I'm the only one. I'm the only Filipino who's in the involved in the startup world in regards to volunteering with Startup San Diego and you know when I go back to my community you know my fellow organizers and I tell them all things I'm experiencing they're like what? like <laughs> what do you mean VC? Well, what, what's what's investing? what do you mean like scale? you know like foreign concept to them but and I stand out I know I stand out sure. I know I'm like but I just love learning because I realize you know yeah I, I stand out but I realize the conversation that's being discussed in the s- startup world which is, which is basically economic development affects the entire region. Right. So to me, it's kind of like I understand it's a puzzle to the bigger piece. Sure. But it's kind of like getting my community involved. It's like, right. you know, hey, yeah. hey, come on, <laughs> I think, try, try this. But they're like, whoa, that's... I think what you know? you've experienced as the sole Filipino in that group is probably what a, a lot of women feel like at work. You know, I uh, came from a tech organization in Austin where I was... 
one of few women in certain situations and it can it makes you kind of lift your head and look around like why is this like this you know and people can either take that as a loss like I don't belong here or you can look at that and be aware of it and say okay I'm gonna start recruiting people or Mm, I'm gonna make it so I'm not the token woman in the room you know you you can find ways to combat that and also like make people aware at the same time you know don't be quiet saying like hey did you guys notice that I'm the only woman in the meeting like maybe we can try a little harder to recruit or you know maybe we can have more inclusive language that makes people interested in this in the first place there's there's little things that you can do and I think one of the one of the great things that women are already doing is being very vocal about how they get past those barriers in their career get past those challenges I mean women talk we're all friends we all we all have things in common you know we're all going to work every day and trying to figure out our place in the world so we can say to each other like hey this is what happened to me in this one meeting and this is what I did to fix it or this is the relationship I had with the previous boss and because of that it helps me advance whatever Um, but as long as people are rallying together and being communicative about that Mm. like we're all helping each other yeah get one step ahead definitely so so how can how can I frame this how can men be and I struggle with this even from the previous episode I'm still trying to refine it like you know how can men be allies how can men be what's called you know adopt feminism you know sure. basically how can we combat toxic masculinity and just I you know sure. does that make sense <laughs> it, oh my course. gosh no, it's a great question I'm glad that you asked it well first of all I think that just by opening the dialogue and having a podcast like this is a step in the right direction so great job there I Thank do you. have a few things that I want to share oh, yeah. that in by no means is an exhaustive list, but um, things that are kind of top on my, my mind. First, I would say, um, you know, men looking to be allies for women, men looking to learn more about feminism can just stay curious and listen. Those are two really easy things that you can apply to any new topic in your life, but especially this one. So if you thought that feminism was a dirty word or that it meant that it's only for these, you know, left-wing radicals or people trying to take something for you, like, stay curious is that really yeah. true like question your own opinions questions your own question your own experience and ask yourself like why did i come up with that conclusion yeah. where did that come from and and when you're asking yourself those questions don't be afraid to ask women like hey this is what i thought do you know why i could have thought that or where did i get that impression and then listen really listen i think that is one of the things in our culture now that everyone has the ability to speak, whether it's through their own platform, their own blog, their own Instagram, whatever. Um, and so they're all saying things, but no one is then listening to what other people have to say. You're so. hearing, but you're not understanding. Right? <laughs> perhaps, perhaps, <laughs> yes. So I think staying curious and listening are definitely two of the easiest things that anybody can implement as soon as they finish this podcast. Um, yeah. I would say also um, there's this weird kind of faulty logic that exists especially in the corporate world where men in in leadership roles or really any man regardless of their role at work um can sometimes say well i have a daughter so i would never put up with that behavior or i have a sister or i have a mother or i have an aunt i have a cousin i have something and so there is this faulty logic where a man will say because I have this female relative, I would never put up with behavior X or I would never let anything happen to her, something like that of the sort, you know? And I think in the in the corporate world where I saw it most was, um, I have a daughter, so we are never going to allow 
inequality in this workplace. Yeah. Well, that's faulty logic because yeah. if you're first of all, if you are a man saying that the only reason you won't su- like a support inequality is because you have some female relative, like that's kind of bad. Does yeah. it really take you having a daughter to know that inequality is wrong? And right? well, and number two, if that if if we follow the logic, then inequality wouldn't exist. <laughs> you right? Well, and like, I think you, the other the other big thing that's really bothersome to me is what about men who don't have children, or what about mm, men who aren't married? Does true. it automatically yeah. put them mm. in the spot that they do support inequality, yeah. or they do put up with bad behavior? I go. mean, it's Faulty just bad one. logic, yes, and I know I, I know that when men say things like that, they have very very good intentions, but what they don't realize is you know how the that's impact. being perceived. So a little bit of awareness there. That's something that I would like to see completely go away. Um, it's something that I experienced firsthand, and I just didn't like it. But I was not in the position at the time to call it out, and now I am. So there you yeah. go. Um, <laughs> speaking of calling it out, I would want to add that you know men are now in this great position where they have the ability. Really, they've always been in this position, but I think we have since then gotten very loud about it, especially since the latest Gillette ad having friends call out their friends on bad behavior Mm. so you know maybe even prior to that ad like yes we talk about men being allies and um if you see it speak up but now more than ever i think it's like we have officially been loud and given permission to men to say hey if your friend is being an idiot or even if he's not your friend even if it's some somebody on the street whatever if you see something say something like that's what's expected of you yeah so i think um just getting loud about stuff that you see that's either shady it's inappropriate it's Mm -hmm. wrong and there are different ways to go about that i mean i've seen people wait until a meeting is over and then kind of elbow somebody and say hey you know i noticed that you spoke over her in the meeting like i think that she had really good ideas maybe next time you just let her finish and then you contribute very very simple things like that but that speak volumes i mean when someone calls you out on your behavior that's likely something that you will never forget yeah. And we're not, I'm not asking you to embarrass these people. Yeah. Oh, know? yeah, yeah. Just I'm, like a, I'm just asking yeah. you to tell the truth. Yeah. I mean, especially with good intentions. Because yeah. if your intention when you're calling someone out on their weird or inappropriate behavior is that you genuinely want them to not look like an idiot, then that yeah. person that person <laughs> should appreciate it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, finally, I think the last thing I would mention for something that men can do especially men in leadership positions at their organizations Mm -hmm. is to really put your money where your mouth is Mm. we hear a lot about men in leadership saying we do not support inequality in this workplace or we're working very hard for diversity and inclusion um and that's a lot of lip service so sure the first step is getting vocal about it communicating that there's even a problem but letting it stop there is such a disservice to all of us yeah and the reason for that is because without any money behind that it falls flat in a big corporation people are busy people have things to do you know leadership doesn't have to show their investors or the vcs or whoever that you know their diversity inclusion rates are way better because if that's not directly tied to the bottom line like those people likely don't care they're just focused on turning a profit just be real (laughs) yes and we understand that that makes sense so when i say put your money where your mouth is i say invest in a salary audit Invest in some kind of audit where you can really crunch the numbers and see the hard facts and don't be afraid of that. Yeah. If you think that your organization truly is equitable and that the salaries are fair and that people are making what they deserve to be making and there's not a lot of discrepancy between gender, then prove it. 
show your workplace that you are transparent and that Mm -hmm. not only do you believe in it, not only do you talk the talk, but you are walking the walk. I mean, those are simple things that you can put into place. And if it's not what you thought, that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. I mean, we are never going to fix this problem unless we expose the wound first. Yep, There's I totally so agree. much fear. Yeah. There's so much fear about what would happen if someone found out what they make compared to whoever. And rightfully so. I mean, Workplace dirty secret. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about it. But we're not doing ourselves any favors if yeah. we don't talk about it. So I think that now more than ever, men in leadership have a lot of power to make a lot of positive change. And they shouldn't be afraid of that. They should embrace that responsibility and go after it. Because if anything, once they expose those facts, if they right the wrongs, if there are any wrongs, that place will, in my mind, become one of the best places for women to work because of its transparency. Who doesn't want that? Right. (laughs) (laughs) I know that was a lot, but I'm very passionate about the topic. I've I've experienced um, what it's like to be a feminist in a male-dominated workplace and I think they're all things that we can be working on together and just having the opportunity to talk about this is really important because there's so much room to put in action yes right now there's so much so why wait yeah Yeah. time is now right yeah Yeah. Yeah. time is now cool Thank you, Casey. Um, any last word? Any things you want to promote? You know. <laughs> well, I will say if there are people that are very interested in a woman's experience at work, I have also started my own podcast about different generations of women entrepreneurs and we delve into everything from what it was like when they were in corporate to the moment they quit to the struggles that they had when they were starting their own businesses and it's very much focused around um, generational differences but then also like what connects us all so if you are interested in that topic the podcast is called gen w and you can get that anywhere you get your podcasts awesome cool thank you casey and uh thank you and for this episode it'll be available at um wherever you get your podcast the the title of the podcast is Pieces to Wait Uh, again or you can visit uh, juliusalejandro.com alright thank you thank you